Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Today on The Arbor Effect, she's the expert to the experts. You've seen her on Oprah, Dr. Phil, and everywhere that forward thinkers can be found. The founder of the conscious parenting movement, best-selling author, and my DM buddy on social media for a few years now. Just saying. I'm Nicole Arbor, and this is the truth about conscious parenting. I am freaking excited. Dr. Shafali, welcome to The Arbor Effect. Yeah. Uh, thank you for having me. I first discovered you years ago via the Oprah crew. You, you were all up in the super soulness. I, I first listened to you and I went, who the heck is this lady? She is an actual doctor, clinical psychologist, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. Psychologist. And you just come with this fearlessness to talk about truth and what's real specifically with parenting. That's what you've become the expert in is parenting, conscious parenting. But I had never heard anyone in my life speak the way that you speak. And it was so refreshing. And I, that's why I'm so excited to have you here. Cause a lot of people are like, Oh, Nicole always tells the truth. I'm like, she tells the truth and you could get backlash from it and you still do it. So that's just my yeah, little serious, serious backlash. Like, like you do. Yeah. Well, what's that backlash like? Well, I think it's inevitable when you are someone who is kind of breaking out of the norms that culture has identified are important and people are so attached. So I try to do it with compassion, but sometimes you need to help people wake up because their attachment and the reason why they're getting angry with you is exactly what's causing them to suffer. So... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just want people to suffer less to whatever degree that they're ready for. So I try to uh, do it with compassion, but it's difficult for sure. It's, it's interesting. Uh, I kind of feel like society is toddlers sometimes, and they're going to throw yeah. a temper tantrum at you if you take away the toy. Absolutely. That toy might be their vape that they're sucking on that you're saying isn't good for them or bad food or whatever it is. They're going to get mad because you took away that toy. So Yeah, and I talk about parenting and Parents are, uh, and I was the same when I was a young parent, so defensive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, nobody can tell us that we're doing anything even remotely wrong because we're so identified as being the perfect parent. So if anyone tells us that, oh, you know, you may want to try something else or you may want to look at yourself, we get very offended. I, I can still get offended. <laughs> I, I see it all the time. I see parents being like, um, I know what to do with my daughter. And it's uh -huh. like, well, do you? This is your first one and you've never done it before. So like at what job in the whole world would we do that? Be like, exactly. I know everything about it because I just started. I know everything. It's like, exactly. That doesn't make you any know, sense. But, but we're set up to think we should know everything. You know, we are set up to believe that parenting is so natural and our parents do that to us. They go, oh, we never read any books. My mother will still tell me consciousness, <laughs> consciousness. She's like, I, I raised you without consciousness. I said, exactly. Look at me. I'm a mess. So, so like, we're, we're, set, <laughs> we're set up to believe that we should know it. It should be natural. And it's kind of just our destiny to be amazing parents, fully in control. And then we're set up to believe that it's our mandate to raise these perfect superhuman children. Mm -hmm. So now the stakes are high and no one is talking about how we are clueless. Something happens to our brain when we, when we become parents because suddenly we think we are these superior beings who are supposed to just know it all. Mm -hmm. And we're supposed to know these creatures who we've never met in our lives and we can barely recognize, right? Yeah. And they have a different temperament than us, but we are delusional to believe we should know it all. And that sets us up to start the journey on the wrong foot because we quickly realize by hour six that, ooh, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm not in control. I cannot control this being. And no one is talking about the helplessness that that creates. Never mind the exhaustion. Never mind that your body looks like a wreck. Never mind that they are really ungrateful for most of their lives. And that, that it's a life sentence. Like, I still can't get over it. And my daughter's 20. 
I still can't get over the fact that it's never going to end. No, right? no, that's yours now. <laughs> it's yours now and no instruction manual. And that's why really I wrote this book, uh, The Parenting Map, to provide, yeah. to give the map because this is what I wish I had when I was a young parent. I freaking love that. I want all, I'm going to gift it to my friends who have just had kids. So oh. everyone else go buy it. Dr. Shafali, if you're not familiar, she's she's just such a G when it comes to parenting because you're just so honest. But I want to touch on something you just said. I feel like I'm hearing a lot of people, um, new parents, saying that they are having um, postpartum issues. But when I really sit down and talk to them about it, I'm like, is it postpartum and you need some kind of drugs? Or are you just upset you can't control this little flailing thing? And I feel like they're being kind of mashed up together. And then we're drugging new mothers for having, you know, meltdowns, which I, I, I get why you're having a meltdown. Your body just got rocked. Your whole life has changed. You're pumped full of hormones. And there's this little thing that won't listen to you. What yeah. do you think about that? Well, I think that mothers, and we're talking about the mother right now, mm -hmm. uh, if she was already predisposed to anxiety, predisposed mm -hmm. to depression, then it's quite likely that this rocking of the hormonal world may throw her off kilter. And in those cases, she can sit with it. She can try to talk it out. She can try to journal it. She can meditate but if she feels that she needs the help of some medicine, it's okay. And mothers also need the permission to go get that damn medicine, to get them through. Whether it's about lack of control, whether it's their ego, it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's so shocking, Nicole, this, this transition. It's the death of everything you knew just yesterday, like yesterday you were okay and now you're a wreck because wow. it, it's just, it's psychologically enormous. And we underestimate how much of a toll it takes on the female psyche, mm. especially if the child is biological. But then also, you know, we have uh, these nuclear families. So where are the aunties? Where's grandma? They're not around. So everything is falling on the mother's head and shoulders. And then she wants to become sexy really fast. She wants to go back to the gym really fast. She yep. wants to go back to her career. So this modern woman is plagued with this superhuman mandate that no one can fulfill, you know, this, this new saying that's going around that, oh, you're a woman, you can do it all. Actually, it's hurting us because no, we cannot do it all right now. We can't, we can't. I totally and agree. So we need to kind of just take a lot off our plate and be ordinary and be average. And just when we enter motherhood, especially allow ourselves just this very long transition period and be easy and gentle with ourselves. But culture is slamming us and other mothers are slamming us by posting their skinny bodies back on Facebook. The bounce back. I'm two months after and I look like I'm 15. It's like, what? Yeah. And, and that's really my friend cruel. struggle. I see that, other friends struggle. Yeah. Exactly. And if, if she's bounced back, good for her. But don't post that because your sisters don't need to see that. They, they really don't. Gosh, I have so much to ask you. So my audience knows I'm not a mom yet. I want to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom one day. I'm not there just yet. Um, but my friends, like most of my close friends have kids now. And I see the joys that they're experiencing and I see the hardship they're experiencing. And one of those is not allowing for that transition because they are expected to bounce back instantly, know exactly what to do with the baby, still be super sexy for their dude. And then they're struggling. Um, how long is this allow that long transition? How long should they feel okay to feel not okay? <laughs> for the next 20 years. Okay. You, know what, you know, there's this line in the movie, the hustlers. And yes, I did see it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the best line in the world. It's uh, the line goes like this: "Motherhood is a mental illness." Okay, <laughs> I, I, and I'm talking about the woman more than the man when we can get to fatherhood. But motherhood is something else, and you can't even imagine it until you become a mother. The level of heartache, the level of agony, the level of responsibility, the guilt. Oh my goodness, the guilt. 
Um, and the, the feeling that you're so conflicted, you want to go back to your career, but you know this kid needs you. Mm. You're exhausted. I mean, all of it is a deadly cocktail. And I think the best way we can serve our children is by holding uh, communion together as sisters. You know, we women don't talk about it. So mm-hmm. I try to, in all my books, really demystify this journey and normalize the anxiety. The transition period is further agonizing when we put pressure of perfection on ourselves. Ooh. And the modern woman, as you've seen on Instagram, yeah. really has this disease that she must be perfect from her tippy toe to her earlobe, to her chin, to her boobs, to her nipples. Every <laughs> aspect has to be now A++, right? We're not yep. allowed to be average in any way. Average is a dirty word. So that mother now has to be a super mother. But guess what? Children are kind of just average human beings as we all are. And they're messy. (laughs) They're so messy and they're really irrational and not so smart for a long time. Um, But they're also amazing and wise and they have other qualities that are superpowers. But they're definitely not perfect. So this disease of perfectionism that we feel as mothers, especially as women, mm-hmm. we now project onto our children and we screw it up because we are in this constant state of hovering, helicoptering, obsess- obsessive anxiety, meddling, uh, trying to puppeteer these perfect creatures. And our children get robbed of resilience autonomy, they become super fragile Mm. because we treat them as if they're these puppets that need to be perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, You just reminded me actually of one of your own quotes. And I'm going to like take us a little bit of a different direction. It's so wild because I knew I was coming on with you today and I was listening to a totally different Oprah Super Soul as I do. And they just talked about you this morning. And it, it brought me to this because you know, the helicopter parents, the controlling parents, the need to almost manipulate. I feel like a lot of parents are manipulating their children, especially online, into this perfect little mold so that they can prove that they're a perfect parent. But um, I've heard you speak about, and I thought this was like one of the most profound things I've ever heard. I was just like, bruh, bruh, guns in the air. To paraphrase, I feel like we don't only not prepare women for motherhood, but you had touched on we don't prepare women for what's going to happen to us. From, you know, let's say when we turn 18 and there's the catcalling, the stalking, um, possible assault and rape and stuff like that. And we don't talk about it. We don't prepare women for it, even though the statistics show that most of us will encounter these horrible things because we're women. Um, My personal thought is that if you're a beautiful woman or you're low on the socioeconomic scale, you're going to get more of it either side. And if you're both of those, whoo be prepared, but we don't prepare each other. And then suddenly you're a parent and you're terrified because if I couldn't protect myself from all these horrible things, how the heck am I going to protect a kid? And we don't talk about it. So, and I think that's where a lot of the control is coming from. I have theories and this is one of them that these women who went through life, not being able to protect themselves from the awful things that we still want to pretend don't happen every day are suddenly a mom They want to protect their kids. So they are hovering like a mother trucker. What do you think of that? So you you said a lot. So correct. So one one part of what you said is that we are not indoctrinated by the, the wise women who are older than us to fully understand what women in our culture today go through, right? So what you're alluding to is a talk I did uh, with Oprah on my book, A Radical Awakening, where I was talking to her about how I was molested as a young child in India, like by every stranger on the bus would touch me up, feel me up, catcall, and just be traumatized by all this unwanted attention. And what I wish for every parent and wish my mother had done and prepared me is to tell me, girl, when you grow up, you will receive this attention Mm -hmm. and do not define yourself by it. And this is how you can empower yourself when you experience something invasive to you. Mm -hmm. I wish I had been told by my sisters, by my mother to empower myself, not to be a victim of it, but to be ready for it. And when it comes to know how to respond to it. So similarly, 
as a mother, we are not told enough how to prepare ourselves for this journey mm -hmm. and how heartbreaking it is and how heart-wrenching it is to be a mother. It's literally, you know, people say your, your heart is walking outside your body. In many wow. ways, we are unprepared for this. And because it comes with that out-of-controlness, imagine your heart walking out of your body. How <laughs> out-of-control do you feel, right? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Totally. It's so vulnerable making and it is vulnerable making. And then because it's vulnerable making and because we've not been empowered to handle it, we lose our shit, we lose our mind mm. and we come out with this egoic control because we feel so helpless and no one has educated us. And, and that's why I had to write this fourth book on parenting because it's the how to, like, how do <laughs> yeah. you actually do this? Yeah, the, that's a, thank you for that answer. It, it's something that I've been wondering. And, you know, I hear you say things like, it's your heart out of your chest. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay, I'm not a mom yet. Like, I, I still, I still want to do it. There's something crazy in my biology that's like, Nicole, let's go. Come on, you're going to have a lot of fun. Um, but I do hear and I see how freaking hard it is. And you'll never not worry a day in your life again. You know, yes. like, I think about that kind of stuff. So, I love that you have a book to prepare parents to be ready. Do you suggest your book for pre-parents, I call them? Uh, I've been watching your videos and studying you for years, and I'm not even a parent yet. I, I feel like I'm pre-studying. It's like pre-med class. <laughs> that's amazing. I wish I had pre-studied somebody. Um, that's amazing. No, my book is for pre-parents and parents. And if you've had a parent, it's for everybody because it's about understanding your past patterns, take you through the map like I do in my therapy sessions. And it's in three stages, 20 steps. Mm -hmm. And like every journey, you know, we have to begin with a transformation in mindset. Yes. If the mindset is messed up, we cannot. It doesn't matter if you took out all the candy and all the cookie from the house. If your mindset isn't changed, you will not sustain the healthy eating. So in yep. the same way, You know, our traditional, I talk about the traditional parenting paradigm and the conscious parenting paradigm. And conscious parenting is the, the linchpin. It's the change, the X factor. And traditional parenting really is all about how we were raised. Right. Fear mongering, guilt tripping, shaming, punishing and controlling, right? Mm -hmm. Traditional parenting should just be called controlling. And, <laughs> and true. <laughs> And conscious parenting is the paradigm shift. It's the revolution where it's not about the kid as a product or your puppet, but instead about the parent's own evolution. Just this pivot from looking at the child as the object to be fixed, to be curated, to the parent going, no, what the hell is wrong? What, what do I need? And why am I projecting my needs onto my child and using my child to fulfill something empty inside me? You know, yes. we, are, we are all using our children in some way and manipulating them to fit our movie. Yes, all of us parents are movie directors, okay? We've yeah. created this movie. <laughs> No, really, it's a movie. And I, I'm thinking of like scenarios that I see every day. Yeah. Yes. But I had scenarios. I wrote out the script, but I was unconscious. I didn't even know I had all these movies until I was yelling at my kid. And then I had to do the deep work to go, why am I yelling at this two-year-old screaming bloody murder? Well, because the actor was not doing the right thing. The actor wasn't reading the script. The exactly. actor was, going, was was like improvising and going off script. And I'm like, oh, hello, <laughs> hello, this is not an improv class. This is my movie. Yeah. So can you please, you know, I'm paying you. I paid by wrecking my body. I paid by giving up my career. I've yeah. paid. Now you follow the script. Oh But my gosh, you sound like so many mothers being like, I wrecked my body. I gave up everything for you. You're going to be the best damn cheerleader in the world. Yes. And you're going to be so good. At, you're going to be an all-star hockey player. You're going to be this. And I'm going to take you to practice. And you're going to do that because I get to tell grandma and grandpa that you're an all-star cheerleader uh, or whatever it is. Like, okay, I have a question on that. How much of it, because I hear parents, I hear parents since they have a, the, the baby's this big, it just came out. They're like, oh, look at this little thing. They're going to be a, and they put a label uh -huh. on this kid from like infant, day zero. This kid's going to be a star soccer player. How much of that 
is going to shape like or misshape this child versus like, that's good. Yeah, decide a path for your child. Like, which one should we be doing? We will mm. never say out loud, I had a child so I could feel whole and complete. I had a child so I could tell my parents, look, I'm not a loser, mom. We'll never say it, but it's <laughs> it's the it's the underlying script that please, please, child, you know, win some trophies, win some medals so I can feel good about myself. So, so we're unconsciously molding our children to become part of this movie. Now, it's only when we awaken to this force of this ego that we will begin to relinquish that movie. But until we have the really quote-unquote bad kid, we're going to steamroll over that good kid. That's mm. why I call the quote-unquote bad kid the awakener. So I had the quote-unquote bad kid, okay? The kid who, who did not listen, damn it. And I was like, <laughs> what is going on here? I was in trauma. I couldn't believe it because no one told me that I would be so out of control. I really thought that I would have some control here. And my kid was walking all over me by the age of two. She had her own mind. She had an attitude. She knew what she wanted and what she didn't want. So I was traumatized mm -hmm. till, till I realized, wow, the reason I'm traumatized is not because my kid is bad. The reason I'm traumatized is because my fantasy is not coming true. That's why I'm <laughs> traumatized. How dare this person be their own person? Exactly. So then... Then I had to make a choice, you know, do I let go of my ego yeah. and truly connect with the child that I have instead of making her the child of my fantasy? Or do I keep trying to steamroll over this being and make them my puppet? And I had to make a choice. What did you choose? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Oh, gosh, this topic is so freaking interesting to me because we're talking about human beings who are coming here with their own spirit and their yeah. own will and their own everything. And I feel like when I have kids, I'm, it's going to be like, a well, nice to meet you. You know, like, yeah. let's learn about you. There's a person already in there when they get here. You teach them stuff. And we're a product of our environment and obviously what we're taught. But there's already a person in there pre-made. And I think that we kind of forget that, you know? That's why siblings can grow up in the same house and be so different. Okay, so, so what, you said, what you said is the most profound truth. And we parents don't realize. We do think it's a blank slate. Yeah. And we, we get to curate the, the piece in the museum and put it in a frame and showcase it. What we, <laughs> what we underestimate is the force of each kid's essence. Damn it, it's so loud and so clear. So because we don't realize that that essence is mighty, yep. we, we go head to head and then we call the kid difficult because they dare to have a strong essence, right? Yep. And what I teach in this book, I have to show it every 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, do it, do it. Yeah. It's where, probably in your contract, you probably, probably in your publishing contract. Every 20 minutes, whoosh, we've got the parenting map. Everybody go get it. Everywhere the books are sold. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what I, what I, one whole section of this book is to understand your kid's essence. And I give different types of quote unquote essences. And you get to relate to, oh, my kid is like this. And then I show parents how that essence is their superpower. So robbing your kids of their essence and making them into your version of your movie is actually diminishing their superpower. Yes. You know? Yes, exactly. You know, that just made me think of my cousin. When we were kids growing up, I remember the first time I saw him playing with a Little Mermaid doll and he was French braiding that doll's hair. And that yeah. wasn't normal for a little boy. That wasn't, it just wasn't. And he loved dancing and playing fashion and all these things. And I was like, my cousin's gay. And people got so upset with me for saying that. Like, it's a swear word. They're like, Nicole, don't say that. Stop that. No, he's not. No, he's not. Well, not only today does he have a, an amazing male partner, um, but he ended up being on Broadway and dancing. And he has this whole life around that stuff. And that's who he was, you know? But it was like, no, no, don't say that. He's going he's gonna to play sports. Put him in sports. But I see that not just with the sexuality or whatever that part might be, 
I see that with parents pushing kids into things when they don't want to be there. Even when yes. I was a dance teacher, um, I would get kids in my class and they're like, you know, they need to be better. I'm like, this isn't really for them. <laughs> like, yeah, this is not them. This is not who they are. They're you really know? bad. <laughs> so culture has told us that certain traits are are good to have. So we yeah. want to we want to encourage. We call it we're encouraging our children. We're exposing our children. And the traits are extroverted, athletic if you're a boy. It's so yeah. stereotypical, it's tragic. Uh, dainty and sweet and cute and skinny if you're a girl and yeah. obedient and soft and pliable. It's just so traditional. And so if our kid is not that, then we get very scared. We are also coming from a genuine place. You know, we're just unconscious because mm -hmm. we, we are not brave to fight culture's mandates. So we get scared that, oh my goodness, if my kid is not that prototypical stereotype, then they will not fit in. And we project into the future and by projecting into the future, we mess up our children's childhood. We mm. literally throw them into activities that are not meant for them. I've been guilty about this maybe two, three big times in my child's life. And to this day, she will remind me, mom, do you remember how you forced me to do that? And I told you I didn't like it and you didn't listen to me. And I'm still saying, I'm so sorry. I was so effed up because I wanted you to have what I didn't have as a child, right? Yes. I wanted you to be the best version of what I thought would make you happy. But because I wasn't listening to you and paying attention and attuning, I created a disconnection in your own self and I created a disconnection between us. To this mm. day, you remember how I traumatized her. <laughs> That's... You laugh, but that's interesting. I grew up in the household where I was in every single activity there was and every lesson there could. There's lessons that you wouldn't even think were lessons. And I had cheerleading in the morning and then every dance class and modeling and girl guides. And I couldn't just be a girl guide. I had every single girl guide badge by year three when it's a four-year program. I right. had to win that award too. Mm. Every single thing that there was to do, I did. And I remember one time my parents being like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, go out and play with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that wasn't an option for me. It just, it wasn't an option. So yes. I, I think it's cool. The idea of, you know, giving your kids things to try, but not forcing them into the prototype. And I think with your other books, you've already done such an amazing job of, you know, giving that guidance to parents. Yes. Um, so right, I hope you're ready for this one. Yes, I am. Tell me. Great, great, great. Okay, because I know that you don't shy away from controversial topics. The number one um, issue that I'm seeing parents who are friends of mine or I work with or whatever, all the parents are facing is the trans community. And I'll just explain to you what they've expressed to me, and I'd love to get your input. And this isn't saying that you agree, you disagree. I'm just going to say what they think or what they've experienced. So many kids are coming home from school and saying, I'm trans now, mom and dad. I'm seeing that trans, there are trans people in the world, but also trans has kind of become the new punk rock where it's like, you're a badass, you're different. You automatically get um, kind of clout if you're part of the trans community and you're young in school, you get treated differently. The teachers have to be nicer to you. You basically just get sudden like, like street cred. Like you have clout, you're different without actually having to do anything to earn that street cred. And the parents don't know what the heck to do. Okay, so let me take some time to explain it. Okay, yeah. children are in formation and they cling to labels or identities because they're figuring themselves out. That's okay. They can mm -hmm. call themselves whatever they want, no problem. The parent needs to stay steady and allow them to say what they want as long as there's no mutilation of the body. Mm. There's no self-harm. There is no destruction of the, the selfhood. They can say whatever they want. Just understand that they yet are figuring themselves out. So mm. the latest buzzword, you're right, is to, or the latest trend is to say I'm trans. Children also need to understand that if they are a boy and they think they're a girl, we understand but also we understand that you cannot want to be something you've never been because you, you can't know the other side yet. So we understand that you feel that way. So mm. that's a way that parents can be supportive. I get that you feel that way. I understand. 
You can call yourself whatever. I'll try to remember to call you what you want me to call you. I'm not attached because we don't want to attach to an identity right now because we are in formation. Wear the boy clothes, wear the girl clothes, have a party. We're just not going to harm our bodies. And the parent doesn't need to get alarmed because the kid is identifying as that. It's okay. They're figuring themselves out. But what we also want to tell our Mm -hmm. children is that you need to just accept also who you are, right? You you were born a boy and you're telling me that you don't like being a boy. That's okay. I understand, <laughs> but you need to accept that you are you were born that. So we want to honor that part of you and you want to be a girl. Okay, and you can we can accept that too. But we don't have to hate being a boy in order yeah. to want to be a girl, right? So parents need to educate children because sometimes it can be a proxy for just not being happy, right? For just not being okay with our bodies as they are. Yeah. Who is happy with their body as they are? Like all of us have had to learn Nobody. to accept. Right. We have to learn to accept our body. Yeah. But parents can stay calm and enter the feeling state. I understand you feel that way. I get mm. that you're feeling uncomfortable or angry or upset and just align with the feeling. But no one needs to change anything else on the physical just yet. Kid says, you know, I want to, you know, chop off my breasts. Okay, we can talk about it when you're 21, when you're 25. We can talk about it when you're fully an adult. Let's wait till that frontal lobe is done and yeah, then we'll do wait it. Till yeah. you're in, when you're, and that's only at 28, by the way. Oh, so dang. Let's wait. Well, I've and, met some people, it's probably later. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So if we stay at the feeling level, we're okay, right? We don't have to get confused. Yeah. Uh, our children have a right to be confused, but we also need to educate them that if they want to mutilate their body, that's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. And they are too young to know what that means. And children are also very young to know what sexuality is. If they're under the age of 14, 15, what do they even understand? So so parents don't need to feel alarmed. They just need to understand that their kid is saying to, to them, hey, I'm confused. Mm-hmm. I, I I want to identify as something because it gives me some credibility. So I'm holding on to this label. But yeah. labels are, are fluid uh, when our children are young. So we don't have to panic. I, I, I remember all the different groups and labels and the things that I fit in. And, you know, that's a conversation I had with a friend. I was like, when I, if I was in school right now and I was a kid, for sure, there would have been a whole bunch of those kids saying I'm trans. And if it was the cool thing to do, I might have been like, yeah, mom, I want to be trans too. Right, and right. I would wear the, I would bring the flag because I want to be supportive and be a nice person because I get brownie points for being a nice person. You know, yeah. like there's so many layers to it. And don't get caught up in the, in the labeling of it because the labels will change. Mm. Our children may evolve. We don't know. We're not telling them to change. It just may change on its own. Many parents get extremely scared and they don't see it as an expression of the child's inner needs. They see it as a threat to the tradition or to religion. And that's where we make a mistake, right? And we get mm. caught up in the dialogue. No, you're not a boy. No, you're not a girl. This is not what the conversation is about. The conversation is about your kid is feeling the need to identify with something because it's giving them a sense of belonging or significance yes, yes. or security just tap into that, you know, and, and seek the help. Like many parents come to me to guide them and I help them stay connected with their children. Because if you disconnect with your children, now you've thrown them even further away into that identification. Yes. Oh, that needed to be said. If you di- I, if you disconnect from your kid while they're going through this or while they're, you know, finding and experimenting with different labels, they're going to run away. If yes. that's, that's the whole punk rock thing. When that teen came home and they have the earrings in their nose and their hair is in the mohawk, if their mom's like, well, that's nice, sweetie, versus you're not coming in my house like that, then right. they get to punk rock back. I can do what I want, mom. You can't tell me what to do. I'm right. seeing the same thing play out with the whole trans movement. Right. And and I'm actually taking it very seriously by, by going to the feeling underneath. What does my child need right now? What is my child looking for? from that label because kids are in formation just like i wouldn't label my kid anything like 
anything, literally no label, because yeah. I know that they are evolving. So I don't need to buy into any label. Even if they say, mom, you know, if, if we are Jewish, say we're Jewish and the kid says, mom, I'm Muslim. I'll be like, okay, okay, I'm Jewish. Okay. okay because, show we are, yeah. right, because, because we are in formation. So don't get attached. And the more you're attached, the more you'll make it an attachment, right? Ooh, bars. Every time you say formation, I think of Beyonce. I'm like, yes. all, the, all the little kids are like, get in formation. It makes sense. Thank you yeah. for answering that question. So many parents have asked me that one. So there's also the most parents are saying that their kids' friends are on some kind of prescription drug. And it's almost uncool now to not take at least a melatonin every night to go to sleep. And kids who aren't taking pills or being told they need pills or being told they have some kind of disorder that requires pills are being othered. And parents aren't sure what to do because they don't want to feel like their kid's wrong. They don't want to push back on the other parents, but they're feeling like, you know, I, I don't want my kids to be on drugs. I don't think kids need to be on prescription meds for every little thing. Yeah. And they're right. And, you know, at some point we have to step in and, not allow the latest trend to take over our compassion. You know, there's one thing to be compassionate, but the trend cannot, you know, rule the way. So we can stay compassionate, but we also need to stay wise. Mm -hmm. And the more we keep our kids off artificial drugs, the that's just plain logic and sensibility. But I, yes. think, I think what you're talking about is the confusion parents have they want to be so woke and so sensitive and so trendy mm -hmm. and so compassionate and, and be their kid's friend that yep. they are afraid of being sensible anymore. And that is exactly it. You just hit the nail. Sorry, continue. That's it. That is the thing. They're scared of it. They're scared yeah. to be sensible because it's not in fashion anymore to be sensible. Yes, no, we will be canceled. Listen, I'm scared too. The other day I was at dinner with my daughter and she literally canceled me. She said, mom, don't talk. I was like, hello, what, <laughs> what kind of bloody nonsense is this? You know, these children are like canceling their parents out. She's like, you don't talk. You, you are not allowed to have an opinion. I was like, excuse me. Hello. And you're like, do you not you know, know who your mother is? I have opinions for a living. Exactly. <laughs> and I said, that allow you this life. Yeah. Yes. Thank goodness. I, I am a therapist. So I could tell her, excuse me, when is the last time you have talked to any client? You know, I, I talk to people <laughs> all the time, but this, this, you know, so, so we parents are getting stifled and suppressed by our, by our children. And sometimes, but sometimes we need to be, but, Sometimes we don't need to be. So we need to have the right discretion and we cannot lose our sensibility, right? This is not about giving up our brains. We can give up our ego, but we don't have to give up our intelligence. Um, and we have a lot to learn from this generation too. This generation, listen, my generation, you're the middle generation, but my generation to the children are very... Um, what's the word? We're very scornful of this new generation, okay? Yeah. We are like, look how indulgent they are, how entitled they are. They're such wimps. They're so fragile, right? Yeah. Don't, don't tell my daughter I said all these things. But our, our generation talks like that about the mm -hmm. new generation. We are right in some ways, but we are limited. Let me tell you why. Because guess who created this damn generation? Our generation created it. Yeah. You know? Our generation got so tired of waiting for the taxi and waiting for the bus that we created the Uber, right? Our generation. Our generation went crazy with wanting the remote control and wanting the apps. And now our children are bloody entitled and lazy and we're yelling at them. But we have to see that we created the conditions. How dare you now... use the things that we made? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. How dare you? Yeah. Right. So we can't go hard on our kids, but we also you know, don't need to go the other way and completely bend to them and bow to them either. I love that. Um, my personal thought when I was at a friend's house and a group of kids came in and they were all on prescription drugs, except for my friend's kid. I was like, that's lazy. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a Christian personally. I just don't think that God is t making that many typos. You know, I just, I just don't think so. I don't think yeah, that let suddenly. Me, let me push back. Let, <laughs> okay. let, let me push back. Yeah, of course. It's, it's, see, what's happened is a wider cultural context. 
mental health now is talked about by every human being. I almost feel I should not even have a PhD anymore because everyone <laughs> knows about mental health. Everyone's a therapist online, right? Yeah. But the good thing of that, there's a good side to it, which is that we are exposing mental health issues. We are highlighting it. We are uh, uh, becoming more educated. We are shining the light on something that has been hidden under a rock. So that's the good side of it. Yeah. Because of that... Now we may be going the other way where we're over-diagnosing ourselves and, <laughs> you know, over-treating ourselves. This is the normal pendulum swing. It will come back to center. Also, we, we don't need to shun prescription meds, but we also, you know, it's again, it's that line in between. We cannot be popping them either. And, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what it speaks to. It speaks to an intolerance of anxiety and intolerance of discomfort. discomfort. Do you know how many, how many kids I talk to and they'll tell me, I'm so anxious. I'm so unhappy. And I'll tell them and, <laughs> right? And as so, okay. What, what, welcome to life, kid. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to life. We, it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be unhappy. It's okay to not sleep. My daughter doesn't sleep right away. And I tell her, okay, so you just don't sleep. That's your body. You have to live with what you have. You cannot fix every problem. And that's what you're seeing. The, that we think that if we have discomfort, yeah. we need to fix it. But my generation taught these children that because we tried to fix everything through an app. And yeah. that's what our kids are looking for, the app. Where's the app? How can I fix my problem? Yeah. Right? We are using technology on our bodies. Women are fixing up every imperfection on their face and body. So are guys. And similarly with our mental health now, just because we have the issue doesn't mean we have to fix it. We have mm. to learn to live through it and learn from it and grow from it. But we're bypassing, right? This has become a, a moment in history where we are instantly gratifying and bypassing any, any discomfort. We cannot yep. be uncomfortable. Oh yeah, you just trade trade in. Get a new husband or wife if that one's pissing you off. You yes. know, like put put the kids on meds if they're being annoying, or if the kid is upset, then they go to the doctor. Let them take that. Everything is instant gratification. Fix all the problems. No discomfort allowed. Put us in a bubble, and if anybody tries to pop it, cancel them. It's not the kids. It's us parents. And that's why I talk about conscious parenting, because if the parent is uncomfortable with any un discomfort, that's mm -hmm. what they are going to project onto their children. And they're going to hover around their kids or fix their kids and micromanage their kids. So parents need to relax and come back into presence, practice mindfulness, not get swayed by culture. And we need to learn, relearn this now as parents because the tides are changing so fast that the poor parent is feeling completely confused and frustrated. Yeah, which is why they need your book. <laughs> they do. They absolutely they do. do. It's, it's a new parenting Bible. I, I freaking love it. Sorry, not a Bible. It's a map. It's the parenting map. That's awesome. You know, just on the, the feeling feelings part, um, I personally don't take painkillers. And I currently have a dislocated shoulder. It had to be popped back in recently. And I was at therapy earlier today, like physio. And they're like, did you take anything? I'm like, no, I'm not going to take anything because then I'm not going to feel the pain. And then I'm going to go do something and re-injure it. Sometimes you need to feel uncomfortable so that you don't keep going that direction and hurting yourself more. And they were just like, whoa. <laughs> but also, 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 Nicole, listen, you may not realize, but you also are the super woman and not everyone can be you, right? So we also have to give permission to freaking take the pill sometimes, right? Because I know what we mothers do. We're yeah. trying to be so stoic and we're trying to be super women. And sometimes we can't be that, you know? Yeah. You look what you've been through in your life. I mean, I've read your story and seen your videos. You have literally overcome so much physical limitation and you've endured so much pain and that's your superpower, you know? Yeah. But not everyone can be your strength. You know, you've developed this, this artistry and this, this strong uh, psychology, but not everyone has the tools. But you're right. We cannot also just give in to the bypass immediately. We need to learn to tolerate some degree of imperfection with our bodies, with our children, with our husbands, with our partners. 
it's okay for life to be shitty and crappy and messy. That is the nature of life. Yes. And it's okay for teenagers to be annoying little assholes. <laughs> yes, it's okay. <laughs> That's what they are. I That's remember being a teenager. Right. Yeah. Right. Like you're constantly pushing all the limits to see where someone's going to push back. And that's how you figure out the world. So You know what? You're so smart because I tell parents, if your teenager is not pushing back, they are developmentally off track because part of that phase is to figure themselves out. And the first mm -hmm. people they have to fight against to figure their individuality out is you, the parent. So if they're not talking back, if they're not rolling their eyes, if they're not slamming doors, <laughs> how are they asserting their individuality, right? And the more controlling you are, the more they're going to have to assert their individuality. So allow them the space to experiment with you and practice being a badass and practice being a rebel, practice being a rule breaker, because when they go to college, don't you want them to be that that maverick, that warrior? So how are you allowing them to practice? I love that. If, if a kid can't learn how to stand up for themselves in their own house, how are they going to do it in the world? You know, I, if that's not allowed? Know. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't allowed really to stand up for myself in my house. And then when I got into the real world, I was like, oh, how do I even do this? Like, yes. I don't even, I don't know. So yep. that's really cool. So myself, I haven't had kids yet, but I want to. And I feel like I'm getting into the, like, in the zone. I'm in the zone. But so many women are waiting to have kids. Or even Chelsea Handler just did this, this post. It was meant to be comedy, but this post about not having kids and how great her life is because she didn't have kids. Do you think the, the amount of women not having kids is growing because it is better to just not do it and go crazy? And you should just, whatever, just be like, nope, that's not for me. I'll go nuts. Um, I'm not even sure what the question is in here. It's just more the trend that so many women are waiting and then some are just saying, no, nah, I'm not doing it. What are your thoughts on that as an expert in this topic? It, it's complex because in many ways, we do need to be given the permission to have a choice. So I love what Chelsea does because she is honoring herself, her own <laughs> maternal instincts, and that she wants to be single and mingle and have a great time. And I love <laughs> that she's celebrating that. However, I will also say that the other side of having a kid is a glorious amazing experience. But yes, it's crazy making, like literally. So you have to really tap into yourself. And, and this is the question I encourage my clients to ask themselves when they're pre-preparing for this. And it's really a very straightforward question. It's really, <laughs> you know, am I ready to make this child my priority? Am I maternal enough? And it could be even the father, but we have to have this maternal instinct to caretake do I have it in me to not be resentful, to give this being all that maternal caregiving that it, it does require, and it requires a hell of a lot? Mm -hmm. And will I be able to embrace it without being a martyr, without feeling victimized, and do it without pretending someone is forcing me? My kid is not telling me from heaven, you know, please have me or from another dimension. You are the best mother for me. Nobody <laughs> is, is nobody is begging you to have another child. The earth will not be better because of your kid. Trust me. What? So, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. You're not, you're not creating the next, you know, the, the person who's going to cure cancer or poverty. So please have a kid because you can have one and you're willing to have one because you want to have one and you're, you have to devote your time to it. So there's no two ways about it. Are you maternal? Can you do it? Do it for yourself and then recognize that you're doing it for you. You're doing no one a favor, yep. nobody a favor, including the kid. The kid doesn't need you to have it. It's okay wherever it is uh, yep. in, in the ether. Yes. So do it because you are ready to be a mom or a dad, but then embrace it and then don't be resentful of it. Cool. Good answer. I thought the exact same thing about Chelsea. Uh, you know, I see some people on social media going nuts, being like, how dare she say that? And I'm like, would you really want to force her to have a kid when she yeah. clearly doesn't want to? Why? But what you, does that do for you? Yeah. But you know, but you know how many mothers have become mothers on autopilot because just because they have the female biology. 
and then they resent it. It's not something that they can do, you know, and we are talking about today in the modern world where we have no support. Mm -hmm. So I totally applaud the woman who makes the conscious choice to say, this is sorry, I'm going to pass. This is not for me because they truly have no support. So you're asking a huge commitment from the woman. And I would rather a woman not have a child than have a child and then be bloody miserable and yep. be unconscious and be blaming the child because it had the, the mother had to give up her career and give up her body. So we don't want the child to feel guilty because you had them. I agree. And that's probably how we end up making serial killers anyway. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> like the kids that weren't supposed to come. It's like, no, don't. You're not supposed to. It's like, fine, yes. I'll do it. These are my theories. They're mostly based in silliness, but those are my thoughts. Um, so not silliness, though. The Parenting Map. Where is it available right now? Oh, yes. This is the book. Let me show it. So my, my publishers are happy. The Parenting Map. So they can get it at, of course, any indie bookstore because I have cool. to be cool. Go to your indie bookstore. Uh, but Amazon and Barnes and Noble, I would love that if people support this amazing, profound message and yeah. be ambassadors of this revolution. I personally, just my two cents, think conscious parenting is the evolution of humanity. It starts with the parent because that's how we all got screwed up. And yeah. it's not that the parent is fully responsible, but parents play a big part. Um, and I'm, I'm helping parents do that part. It's a part. It's not the whole of their child's life, but it's a big part of their child's life. So let's do that part with the greatest consciousness possible. I love it. And is it available on audiobook for those moms who don't have time to stop and read it? Yes, yes, yes. I taped it for like six days. So it's definitely available on audio. Awesome. I knew someone would say that. Like, Nicole, I don't have time to read that book. I'll be like, but you can listen to this while you're doing this. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. You're such a badass. Thank you so much for coming on. And I can't wait to talk to you about other topics in the future. I, I, I just love uh, your frankness, your audacity. When you get it wrong, you're just quick to apologize. You don't take yourself so seriously. And that's really the key to living. I'm Nicole Arbor, and this was the truth about conscious parenting. Thanks for watching and listening. Keep laughing. Be good to each other in real life. And until next time. Go team, Dr. Shafali. Go team, Nicole. <laughs> you're so cute. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.